Our purity, Jesus was very clear, our purity is not based on what we do with our bodies. Our purity is based on what Jesus did with His. Welcome to More Than Small Talk. We're Susie Eller, Jennifer Watson, and Holly Gerth, writers and real-life friends. We're inviting you to go deeper, become freer, and feel more connected. So imagine you have a cup of coffee, a mug of tea, or a green smoothie in your hand, and we're all hanging out in your favorite place together. Hey, More Than Small Talk friends. We have a special guest for you this week. Sheila Gregoire is here with us. She is the author of multiple books, including one called The Great Sex Rescue that Jennifer and I have both read. She is a podcaster, a speaker, a blogger for many years. And so we are thrilled to have her with us today. Thank you for coming on our show, Sheila. Well, thank you. This is going to be a spicy one. It is. It's going to be so spicy. Well, yeah. first of all, I just want to say thank you for writing this. Um, we really learned a lot. Um, we were kind of in that that time of life in the 90s where purity culture, we heard that every single Sunday, Wednesday, got the ring, signed the contract. If you can't fit a King James Bible between you, then, you know, so all of these things you know, looking back, I'm like, oh, you know, this is where it kind of got sideways. And I would have never thought that in the 90s as this good little Christian girl trying to, you know, learn the right things and be the right person. So I love um, that you're doing this. But I want to ask you, what is your take on purity culture? And why do you feel like so many people are pushing back when you share about you know, your feelings, your ideas, your research on all of this? Well, purity culture is misunderstood because when people hear the word purity, they think it's a good thing. And it is, right? Right. Purity is good. We should all be aiming for purity. The problem is that in evangelicalism in the 90s and into the 2000s, we developed a culture around purity, which was not about the biblical way of seeing purity, it was very different. And what it said is that your worth is in your virginity. And so a girl's highest worth, like sort of the epitome of what you could aim for is this 13 year old virginal girl. And it's all downhill from there. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, and if your worth is in your virginity, then your worth can be taken away. Mm -hmm. You can either lose it supposedly um, by doing something you're not supposed to do, but somebody else can also take it from you Oh wow! without your consent. And now you are somehow not worth as much. Mm. And our purity, Jesus was very clear. Our purity is not based on what we do with our bodies. Our purity is based on what Jesus did with his. Mm. Wow. I love Thank that. you. Yeah. And we raised a whole generation of Christian women to grow up with such incredible shame mm-hmm. about their bodies. Yeah. Right. Well, and I think that we put a lot of pressure on young women. I worked with youth for 18 years, and I, I think we put a lot of pressure on, on women that it was their entire responsibility to keep these young men from somehow stumbling and uh, can you address that? Because I think you do when you talk mm-hmm. about, do you only have eyes for me in this yeah. beautiful book? Well, let me tell you about our study. So what happened was I have been 
in the mommy blogging space. That's where I met a lot of you actually. Like that might have we been where we met. We started recording like 15 yeah. years ago. I don't even know. But I I used to blog at to love honor and vacuum.com. Mm-hmm. We've now changed mm-hmm. to bearmarriage.com. But I have blogged there for years and I was talking about, you know, how to have a healthy marriage and and how to be a great parent and how to organize. And the more I talked about sex, the more my traffic grew. And so I kind of morphed into this sex blog, which I was never really, I mean, who grows up thinking, you know what I want to do? I want to <laughs> <laughs> but I kind of became that. And I was giving all this great information, you know, all this research I had done on on how to have a good sex life. And everyone still had the same problems. Like it didn't matter how much good stuff I shared. There were always the same roadblocks and I couldn't figure out what it was until it was a Friday afternoon in January of 2019. Um, I had a migraine and I didn't want to work. I was procrastinating. And so I was on Twitter and people were having an argument as to whether they needed love or respect. And they were both women. And I was like, yeah, I need respect too. But they were referring to the book, Love and Respect, which says that women need love and men need respect. Um, And I thought to myself, I have that book, but I've never read it. This is a great way to procrastinate. So I went and I got it. (laughs) And being the sex person, I turned to the sex chapter, which is quite short. I think it's like 10 to 12 pages. And I swear it was like a nuclear bomb went off in my living room. And I started FaceTiming my daughter who worked with me and an assistant who worked with me. And I was like, I don't believe it. Cause I read in the book, it said, if your husband is typical, he has a need you don't have. So sex is a man's need, not a woman's need. Huh. He said the husband's need is for physical release. So not intimacy, not emotional connection, just release. And if he doesn't get release, he will come under satanic attack. And you need to understand his struggles with lust and um, if you don't, he will have an affair. And most affairs are caused by women not having sex. Wow. And I'm reading this and I'm thinking, is this what we're teaching? Yeah. Because up until then, even though I've been in this place for like 15, 20 years, I hadn't really read other people's books. I know that sounds weird, but I have this real fear of plagiarizing. So I literally spoke at marriage conferences where I held up love and respect. And I said, this is a great book. You should read it. Because everyone told me it was a great book and I'd never read it. Yeah. 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 And I read it and I went ballistic and I went ballistic on my blog for the next week. And mm-hmm. we were just inundated by story after story of women who said that that book really enabled abuse in their marriage. Um, mm-hmm. On my team, my daughter is a psych grad who specialized in survey development. And I also had a young mom who's a family friend who was working for me while she was postnatal. She had just delivered a baby and she has an epidemiology degree and master's in public health and stats. Wow. <laughs> so, so we were like, you know what, let's just do the biggest research project that's ever been done on women and sex. And we're going to measure how these teachings actually affect women's marriage and sex lives. Cause Jesus said, you can judge things by their fruit. Yeah. So is there good fruit or is there bad fruit? And we surveyed 20,000 women. <laughs> Largest ever been done, and we found four big teachings that really, really hurt women's sexual satisfaction and marital satisfaction. Okay, talk to us about that. Yeah, so you know the biggest one I would I would say is the kind of like in Lord of the Rings terminology, like the one ring that rules them all. You know, (laughs) Um, is this idea that a woman is obligated to give her husband sex when he wants it. Mm -hmm. So. It makes sex into a female obligation 
and a male entitlement. That's not how the Bible talks about sex. Not at all. Like it's such a perversion. You know, I read Genesis four verse one, um, and it it's it's a funny verse. Adam knew his wife Eve, and they conceived a son. And I remember being in junior high, and you're laughing because that's hilarious, right? Like Adam yeah. knew, <laughs> yeah. But the Hebrew root for to know is the same root as in the Psalms when David says, "Search me and know me, O God." Yeah, it's this d- deep desire for intimacy. You know, and and God compares his relationship with us as a sexual relationship so much in scripture. Like it is this deep intimacy. So sex is intimate. We know from Song of Solomon that it's pleasurable for both. She speaks more words than he does. You can go count them and she's having a good time. (laughs) (laughs) And we know from 1 Corinthians 7 that it's completely mutual. Everything he gets, she gets too. So we have something which is intimate, pleasurable, and mutual for both. And we've turned it into a female obligation and a male entitlement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So they distorted. It right. was distorted. You know, Sheila, my husband is a counselor. He will occasionally come on as kind of the resident counselor on here. And as he began to share with me, not details of, of any couple, but some of the things that they teach in premarital counseling, just how to do exactly what you just talked about, to walk into that relationship with this mutual understanding of how to love one another well. I remember thinking the first time he was sharing that with me, my goodness, how I could have benefited from this so many decades ago as a young woman going into a marriage. I was only 20 years old. And, you know, we only know what what we've been told, in a sense. So to learn that there is a, an art to loving each other well, that there is an art to being intimate, to that knowing part, you know, who is she? How can I love her well? Mm-hmm. Who is he? How can I meet him there instead of just being told, just do it? Just right. do it. This Every is 72 just... hours. <laughs> you know, Did I'm... you all hear that? Did you all hear yes. the 72 hours? Yes. No, okay. that's, I, that, I, I totally literally live that. that. I totally So, I mean, I, so we actually taught love and respect from our church. And I can remember I was pregnant at the time with my daughter and I'm reading this and I feel like, I hate this book, yeah. but I'm not supposed to hate this book. Why do I hate this book? Am I being rebellious? Am I sinful? You know, I was, I remember feeling like I absolutely hate this book. I feel bad. Why do I feel bad? But I did not know. I thought, you know what, this is, this is how I'm supposed to just believe this and put this into practice. And so I was like every 72 hours. So when you write about how duty sex is not sexy, I'm like, Absolutely. Thank you for saying that, you know, because you've given us words to kind of say this and be like, hey, um, maybe you should read this and and just kind of see where we're like falling apart here. And this has been a great guide for me personally, just to look at the lies that I have believed and how to kind of go back to um, finding a really healthy place, you know, in my life. So thank you for that. So like your second one. You oh, before yeah. second. <laughs> okay, so here's a big one. Are you ready? Yeah. yeah. All men struggle with lust. It's every man's battle. Yes. Okay. That is so pervasive, isn't it? Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. that all guys lust. And so women, you need to understand the struggle that he has and you need to be careful so that you're not a stumbling block. If women believe that, okay, their, their trust in their husband decreases, even if he does nothing to warrant it. So mm-hmm. it, it, it really mm-hmm. decreases marital satisfaction. Your chance of orgasming decreases in your marriage. <laughs> like if you believe this, it has very negative effects. And interestingly, this was the one belief we measured that hurt, even if you never believed it, but you were merely taught it. If you grew up in a youth group that taught this, it's really got devastating effects on you because what, what that is telling us is that we are responsible for someone else's sin Yeah, and that men can't really be trusted because all men will objectify women. And that is not true. Mm-hmm. It yeah. is simply not true. It is not true biblically <laughs> in, and we actually, after we did the great sex rescue, we did another survey of men and we measured it. Do all men struggle with lust? About 75% of men do say they have a daily struggle with lust. But when we ask follow-up questions, what we actually find is about half of them are only noticing that a woman is pretty. He's not actually lusting, Mm -hmm. but we have equated noticing a woman is beautiful with lusting. And when we do that, we make 13, 14-year-old boys feel really helpless. Because mm-hmm. if noticing mm-hmm. a girl so has a chest means that they're sinning, then what in the world are they going to do? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I love, I read the ebook version. So I printed out all my highlights. There are many she of has them. So many. <laughs> she does. <yeah. laughs> but, uh, <laughs> one of them, several of them are around this theme, but this is one of my favorite lines. The key to fighting lust is to see women as whole people rather than potential threats. So can you talk about that? Because we were, we were told like you're a potential threat and the men in our lives were told all females are a potential threat. Mm -hmm. And so what do we do about that? And what is going on there? You know, we had a story when I, when I asked for stories about this, I was inundated with stories from women, but there was one particular one um, by these, this woman, she and her sister, they were in their late teens and they were on at a missions conference and they were in an elevator with uh, several of the pastors. And when they got on the elevator, the pastors turned away from them and wouldn't look at them. And she said, we were dressed in denim jumpsuits from our neck to our ankles and they Mm. wouldn't look at us. And it was so dehumanizing and we felt so small Mm. and we felt so, so much shame. The answer that the evangelical world has put out to the problem of lust is to tell men they need to bounce their eyes. You may have heard that, mm-hmm. right? Bounce your eyes away from a woman. In every man's battle, it literally tells men um, that if you walk into an office, you should get into the practice of looking away because receptionists will often bend over and receptionists are usually female. So as you walk into an office, don't look straight ahead. Like they're literally told this, mm-hmm. okay? Whether you are bouncing your eyes or whether you are ogling a woman, you still see her as the same thing. You see her as a threat. You see her as objectified. Um, again, every man's battle, they tell you on their website to, to figure out who your enemies are, the enemies of lust. And, uh, and one of the enemies they list is female joggers. So female joggers are your enemy. Mm. This is not of Christ because Jesus did not refuse to look at women. Mm. Jesus chose to truly see women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And that is the difference. And we haven't raised our boys to do that. And then women are carrying all of this shame that is not ours to bear. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Mm. You know, Sheila, one thing that I know, because I follow you on Twitter and I see you in other social media spaces, is that even as someone's listening right now, you might be rocking their world a little bit because this has been their teaching Mm. their whole life. So you've had some people not just come against what you're teaching, but come against you pretty forcefully and more so not just men, but, and this is what hurts my heart is other women. And so first of all, I want to know how you are, how you're doing. And I sincerely woman to woman, that is a very genuine question. How are you doing sister? And then what do you say to that? How do you deal with that? You know, it's been really, really rough. Yeah. It was easier blogging before I started calling people out. Yes. Yeah. But it was a decision that we made knowing that this was going to happen. What has disappointed me is not the big names. Like we've had, we've had four lawsuit threats. We've had all kinds of stuff from the big authors that we critique. What's been difficult is the people that I would have used to call friends and allies. Yeah not get it and specifically work against us. Um, and, and it tends to be about the lust message. They just don't believe that men are capable of not lusting, especially some of the male authors that used to be my friends. Um, and that's been very, it's been hard. Um, it's, it's made me though, really, seek out Jesus's heart more. Like I'm at the point where I can't read the Bible except the gospels. And I don't know how long I'll be there. You know, I'm hoping that I can get back to the old Testament one day soon. But at this point, sometimes I just get so disillusioned that I just need to look at Jesus. Yeah. And so that's where I am with that. I think I do have a lot of secondary trauma too, because while I have a great marriage and I have a great family and they're my rock, the stories that I get, like day in and day out of hurt, of marriages, of marital rape and coercion, so much of that, but especially of pastors who don't care, you know, that's, that's hard. Mm -hmm. And I just think God is doing such a huge movement in the church right now. Mm -hmm. God is going to battle for his daughters. Yes. Yes. And I, I think I think there's going to be some incredible changes in the next few years as women start saying, no, I will not let you treat me as less than made in the image of God. Mm -hmm. I am going to walk fully into who God made me to be and nobody can hold me down anymore. And nobody can blame me for someone else's sin anymore. Yeah. I just want to just say thank you because we were talking last night and I just said, I feel like as a woman, as a woman who's been in ministry for 24 years in the church, very upfront spotlight ministry, that I was, especially online where it's the cesspool of all of humanity and it's chaos, <laughs> but we're going to places. As a woman, I'm going, am I safe here? Am I safe here? Yeah. And what I feel like you are doing is saying, you are safe here. Yeah. You're safe here. And so you're putting out the the truth, right? And these people are like coming at you, but then you're still, you're still in that. You're not hiding from it, but you're saying, no, I'm making this a safe place for those who finally, 
like they need somewhere to go to and they have been going to churches and they've been going to conferences and they're like, am I safe? And they walk away feeling unsafe. So thank you for doing that. I can't imagine how difficult and how hard it is, but um, personally, like you're making a difference in my life and I know so many other women. So I just love you and I'm going to pray for you. And we really, we so care about partnering with other women. So I think that that's why we asked that question because yeah. we seriously care about you. Yeah. 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 Well, and you said something, I just want to read this to a listener, maybe you said, if you ever read or hear something that doesn't sound right to you, use your discernment. It's okay to reject it. Talk to us if you want to, but know that we do not endorse everything just because it claims to be Christian. And it's okay if you don't either. And good grief, that is powerful, mm-hmm. powerful, powerful. And I think that's where the change actually begins is, number one, we give a sacred space to talk about this, but we also give ourselves permission to say, you know, maybe I've heard that my whole life and maybe even I've lived under the burden of that, but it just doesn't sound right to me. And so I'm going to question that. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think that's powerful. We're allowed to change. Yes. You know, I used to teach some of this stuff. Yep. <laughs> Say, yeah. yeah. I yeah. did. And then when I actually looked at the data and when I, when I went back and looked at scriptures and I realized, wait a minute, you know, Jesus said good fruit comes from a good tree, doesn't come from a bad tree and bad fruit doesn't come from a good tree. So if we're seeing all this bad fruit, we got to back up. Yes. Like back the truck up. (laughs) What is it that we have been believing? And when we believe that, that women don't matter as much, you know, or um, that we are responsible for someone else's sin. Like, I mean, another one, and you'll have to look, get the great sex recipe if you want to read all the negative ones. But another one is, you know, you should have frequent sex with your husband to keep him from watching porn. You know, I mean. Baloney. Every man's battle literally said <laughs> mm-hmm. to women, when he quits cold turkey, be like a merciful vial of methadone. For yes. Him. Yes. So you're merely methadone for his sex addiction. Mm-hmm. Is anything that dehumanizing? Yeah. And a lot of us as women have heard that over and over again at conferences from the pulpit. Maybe not in those words, but we've heard, have you satisfied him though? Have you given mm-hmm. him a reason to stray? If he has a Cadillac in the garage, why would he go looking for a Volkswagen outside? Right? We've heard these analogies. And I just want to tell you, Jesus's voice would never, ever call you methadone. Mm. He would never say that you need to degrade and dehumanize and objectify yourself because of someone else's perversion. And it's just so not of God. So through this journey, what have you heard the voice of Jesus say to women? You know, you've really been on the front line. So if you say, what does he want women who are listening right now to hear? Good question. I think two things. The first is the story of Hagar, I think is a beautiful story. And I think we often forget about her or we see her as the bad person in the story of Abraham and Sarah. Um, If you remember, God promised Abraham a child and Sarah was barren. And so eventually he turned to Hagar, the slave girl, and he had his son Ishmael with her. And then she was kicked out and she's in the desert because the son is now a threat to the air. 
And Hagar is the first person in scripture that sees an angel and that is given, that is given the opportunity to name God. Mm. And she calls him the God who sees me. And our God is seeing what women are going through in the church today. And he just wants you to know he notices you. He sees you. And he sees you as a whole person, even if you are someone who has been treated as if you're discarded or as if you are only a sexual object. And that's what Hagar was. She was a victim of sex trafficking back Mm -hmm. then. And yet God saw her and God came to her rescue. And I think God is coming to our rescue. So that's the first thing is God sees you. But the second thing is, and Susie, Susie just uh, talked about this too, but we have the power to reject toxic teachings. God has given that to us. Yeah. You know, you read the story of the Bereans where Paul um, praised the Bereans because he would go and preach and then the Bereans would go home and they would search the scriptures to see if what Paul said was right. So they didn't just believe Paul because he was Paul. <laughs> they they took it upon themselves to make sure. Mm-hmm. And women listening, God has given you the Holy Spirit. You have it just as much as your pastor does. You have it just as much as the influencers you follow do. So check your discernment and pray that God will help you to hear his voice in all of this, because we are fearfully and wonderfully made with a purpose. And our purpose is not just to be the object of someone's sexual release. So good. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. So I think if people are listening right now and saying, okay, what do I do? You know, what do I do with this? I would invite all of us first be curious. You know, be curious, like you may have heard things today that you totally agree with and you're in your car or saying amen out loud or you're thinking, hmm, wow, that's totally different than what I've ever been told. I feel really uncomfortable. Yeah. Whatever your response, just be curious because curiosity leads to intentionality and ask Jesus what really is true. If there's anything I've been believing that isn't of you, help me see that and replace it with truth. And then I think choose to be a safe space for the women in your life, because even if you haven't walked through this, someone in your life has yes. probably is right now. And so we can all say, if a woman shares something hard with me about this area, I will believe her mm-hmm. and I will support her mm-hmm. and I will be a safe space for her healing journey and her story. And so I think that, and then if you are listening and saying, this is me, like I've lived this and I'm still broken, then find a safe space. Yeah. Find a friend, you know, who will hear your story and do those things, believe you, support you, find a wise counselor. A a licensed. Yes. A wise licensed counselor. Yes. Yes. Someone even who specializes. There are a lot of, of counselors who specialize in this now. Yeah. And so, and check out Sheila's resources too. Like you, you've heard from her. She has done the hard work of digging into biblical truth, but also the research. Like she is saying what she's saying based on hearing from over 20,000 women. And so digging into all her resources, she has the book we've talked about, The Great Sex Rescue. Uh, Sheila, tell us about what else you have that people who want more can get from you and where they can go to get it. So baremarriage.com is the blog. Um, You'll find my podcast there, Bear Marriage. 
and my social media channels are linked there as well. Um, we also have two other books, The Good Girl's Guide to Great Sex and The Good Guy's Guide to Great Sex. And they're just, if those become the bridal shower gifts that we give to couples, mm-hmm. then nobody in the future will ever need the great sex rescue. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's start couples well. It's everything you need to learn about sex, but it's healthy all about the sexual response cycle, how to make it mutual, intimate, and pleasurable for both. That's awesome. <laughs> and so good girl's guide to great sex, good guy's guide to great sex um, for new couples. And then the great sex rescue for any of us who've just been hurt and really want to relook at some of the things we've been taught. Yeah. Well, thank you. And we adore you. And we're in your corner cheering you on. And so I hope this is not the last time we connect. Absolutely. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for going deeper, becoming freer, and connecting with us. More Than Small Talk is a part of the KLRC Podcast Network and is produced by Kara Culver. Show notes and resources are available on the More Than Small Talk page on klrc.com. You can also join us in our Facebook group. Subscribe to More Than Small Talk on your favorite app so you won't ever miss an episode.